Welcome to the Work Matters Podcast. In each episode, talking with thought leaders and executives, PurposeWorks founder Thomas Bertels explores what it takes to make work more productive, valuable, impactful, and meaningful. Let's begin the conversation. So welcome to the Work Matters Podcast. Um, our guest today is Sergio Carrera. And uh, Sergio is based in Venice, Italy. Uh, you're a HR leader. You're also the author of an excellent newsletter called The Intentional Organization. Um, so with all of that, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Thomas, for the invitation. Very happy to join you. Your newsletter is called The, the Intentional Organization. Um, a curious choice of words. Uh, explain maybe to our listeners what you mean by an intentional organization. The concept of intentional organization came to me out of my HR experience working uh, in different roles in HR. I noticed that uh, there are a lot of organizations that are doing uh, great or doing well in certain areas, but very often their design is not consistent in all of its components. And so it came about with the concept of intentional organization because it were, we think of an organization that has a strong purpose, uh, not necessarily a good one, that's a, that's a different topic, but a strong purpose that identifies both a moral direction externally and an ethical direction internally. And through this, leadership is able to create consistency in the different components of the organization itself. The idea is the following. Um, a lot of leaders are normally trying to fix small details within the organization, whereas here it's about more keeping the broader picture and creep and keeping aligned the different components in order to define uh, the outcome uh, of the organization itself and its performance. And you notice it that uh, very often organizations that are really successful really display a very high level of this consistency, which from my point of view, it's always tied into intentional actions by managers and leaders within that organization. So I can see like a strong linkage, obviously, to, to topics like purpose and, and values, right, and, and cultural dimensions. But you're also writing a lot about organization design. There's so many questions related to organization design. Who does it, right? Is it right, HR's role or is it the line manager's role? And, and how do you go about it? And, and, and oftentimes I feel like most leaders get stuck at the moving the boxes on the org chart from, from left to right or up and down. For me, again, out of experience, org design is one of the most important disciplines that we need to develop within organization, especially in the HR job family, but not only limited to the HR job family. And the reason is that actually leadership and management in organization do organization design constantly, but very often they're not equipped with the tools to actually assess what the outcomes of uh, their actions are. And here the entire concept of intentionality comes into. I give you an example. Very often a company might do its own strategic design, whether through strategic planning or any other type of uh, methodology. It, but very often you don't have then a way to translate that into an operating model decision or into uh, an org design, unless um, you start thinking about processes like budgeting or elements like this, but those are not really fit for purpose. So one of the problems that you have sometimes is, okay, I have my strategy of opening five new markets, 
but where does the talent need sit, just to give an example? Or what are the policies that I need to develop? What are the systems that I need to have? And all of this very often gets kind of jeopardized in a way that uh, at the end, you need to rush into a small, a lot of small projects to then get the capabilities to then reach your strategy. The idea is that or design instead provides the tools to match this. And as you pointed out also uh, effectively, or design is not about uh, putting boxes on an or chart. That's the last step of the process. And it's about looking at the consistency of a lot of the elements, which for me, especially today, or design has a very big challenge in making the concept itself of work appealing for people that are outside the organization because we, we need also to capture this changing meaning of work that is happening and or design is exactly one of the key pillars of, of, uh, of uh, the work of or design is translating work into jobs okay or maybe into the new ways of working we're constantly discussing but many people don't yet get understanding of what this actually means within an organization I'm 100% uh, there with you in terms of the, the need to really, you know, connect strategy to org design to job design, right? I find that oftentimes when it comes to the job design, um, the strategies oftentimes seems to be copy-paste, right? We're copying a job description that we get from somewhere and, you know, we're replicating that. Do you see leaders getting a little bit more sophisticated when it comes to job design uh, or, or HR for that matter? Do you see people actually becoming more intentional about crafting jobs that that enable high performance? In some cases, yes. The problem is, uh, and, and this affects job design, but it affects all other aspects of our design, is the fact that we have all fallen victim of the concept of best practice. We all think that we can just rush in what Her Henry Mintzberg once defined the organization bazaar. It's almost like there is a store, I have a need, I pick something and I put it in my organization. This is the piece that uh, is more dangerous. And it's Dangerous, especially today. What I mean is, in the 70s, probably it worked. There was a lot more stability on the market. A lot more organizations were similar in the way. And so we started applying uh, elements like uh, job profiling, competency models, uh, job descriptions. We copied things from one side to the other. Today, all of this is not working anymore and it's not working as intended. Even if on, on one side, the acceleration that we're seeing on from many different aspects of the external context uh, push managers and leaders still to seek for ready to use uh, solutions, but they very, very seldom exist. So if you think about just what happened during the pandemic with this uh, big remote work, uh, experiment we all uh, went through, we all understood that this was not about uh, technology because basically every company within one or two weeks was able to have their people working remote. It was more of a concept of how organization were ready and how even the concept of work was intended within the companies. I'm conducting a small experiment with a number of uh, mentor, uh, uh, mentees actually in Italy, about 100 people that kind of subscribed to uh, a small program that, that I'm doing for them internally. And one of the concepts that I'm trying to tell them is that there is a very important transition that we need to think between work design, okay, which is how we design really all of the activities and what needs to be done within an organization, the job design, which is how we shape them into roles, and job crafting, which is the piece that then the person, the individual adds to that role. And I think we have been concentrated too much on the 
on the intermediate pillar, on the idea of having this very long detailed job descriptions that by the moment they're, you finish writing them, they're already old, okay? And instead, we need to focus a lot more attention on the first part, because very often we don't have a lot of uh, ideas about how work needs to be designed in an organization and how to measure, for example, productivity and performance on that. And on the opposite side, we need to give room okay to the job crafting element also this is where intentionality plays also a key role in the sense that we need to enable an organization to make this happen again coming to the example of uh, remote work yes or not we all know that the center issue here is autonomy and autonomy is not something that you can dictate it's not something that well from tomorrow you're going to be autonomous and that's that's happening it's uh, something that uh, you need to create a soil that gets fertile for then the people to get autonomous, for the people to get self-organized, for the people to act in terms of self-management, etc. And this is the this is where some leaders are capturing this now. And here probably the difference between those organizations that are capturing the remote work wave, not as a benefit that I'm offering to some people, because this is a stream that is happening at the moment, but as really an element to see a new meaning of work that is also appearing outside for many of the people. And I think this is where intentionality in terms of how I build them, the organization also, as you mentioned before, in terms of the values, the leadership, the core components also of how I define collaboration and elements and autonomy, for example, within an organization are really important today. What obviously strikes me is that becomes a fairly comprehensive effort. You got to start all the way from what are we here as an organization, to the values, the culture, and, and, and cascade it all the way down. And it strikes me as that that oftentimes then requires the people at the very top of the organization to buy into this. It's kind of difficult to reshape culture at the bottom of the organization. Right? So that requires a fairly enlightened set of leaders. Do they exist out there? What, what's holding them back? It's true that in many ways, the true uh, innovation has been coming from within organization where there was a very strong leadership. But what I've been observing is that very often the, uh, there are a lot of realms of possibilities also for middle manager to express and to influence results within organization also from this point of view. What I notice is, for example, that in many organizations, there have always been pockets of uh, jobs that were done remotely. There have always been teams that have been agile in the way they work. There have always been projects that has been running across silos, even if the organization was really siloed. So what you point here is a question, are we focused on really making then, getting a strong decision that the entire organization needs to work in a way, okay? And then you really need to have senior leadership focusing on that. Or can we also look at some middle managers, some mid-level leader that are anyway taking their chance to improve working condition, I call them with a very broad sense. And I think we need to look at this because you probably need both. And one should not be the justification for the other. Many managers are telling very often, oh, I cannot do the first step because the leadership is not allowing me to do that or vice versa. A lot of leaders are complaining that they are not able to really change the way work is acting because their middle management is not uh, coping. There is truth in both version. 
what we need to do is very often is to start and do small steps throughout my career and i've been in many you know especially at the beginning in uh, uh in initial positions i've seen that i've always been able also to do the difference in the way my team was working etc etc sometimes i'm through small actions you know all the people that have worked with me can probably can testify that I gave them a lot of autonomy and they learned along the way what autonomy means. And that was something that I've always been able to do within get the guidelines of organization that were existing. But sometimes I consider myself a little bit of a rebel in certain organization on trying to fight those elements that we can sometimes call organizational debt, which are those choices that an organization has done that are going against the results and the performance you want to achieve. Uh, sometimes our policies, sometimes our organizational choices, etc. I think that sometimes it's too easy to say it's all the fault of the leader in the sense of them not giving the direction. We need both from this point of view. For sure, strong changes really let's say revolutionary changes need a leadership perspective on that because we still live in a context where a hierarchical top-down approach is a reality. So there are many people that in order to get moved need to get somehow a view or a push from the top. I think you're right. I mean, there are opportunities for leadership to be exercised at all levels, right? And, 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 and you're probably also correct that probably most middle managers underestimate the degrees of freedom that they have. Now, they might not have a language or a framework to actually do that work, to think it through, um, but they probably have more possibilities than they, than they have. Uh, on the flip side, though, I think there's some very um, structural issues like management processes, budgeting, performance reviews, that I guess also right, get in the way right, of, for, for leaders to exercise that autonomy. Uh, any, any thoughts on that? What needs to happen in that space? I just mentioned one concept, which is this concept of organizational debt, which many organizations go through and uh, don't consider very well. But um, And it's coming again to having this holistic view. I've been personally, for example, running through an experience in one of the organizations where I've been through a large digital transformation process in which we got the digital organization to start implementing agile methodology in software delivery. And, and we really try to tune the organization to get an entire agile uh, organization for its consumer-facing uh, digital products. But then all of a sudden we got into problem because the budgeting process was a standard yearly budget process. So those things can don't really work together. And that is one of the area where when you start speaking with people, they understand it that, well, you would need something more flexible. Yes, but the budgeting process stays. And this is one of the areas, it's a little bit like the hierarchy that nobody wants to put in discussion, even if there are so many proofs that these processes very often are harmful to the organization, are harmful in the way they are done. And very often it's because we have copied a process for somewhere. Many ways, I think that one of the largest damages that uh, very often has been done to organization has, be, has been the large ERP implementation, because it's almost like we got this blueprint from one organization to another, they were probably born in an industrial German context, and now we have applied them to all type of organizations uh, outside that. And for me, that element creates, uh, again, one area of big organizational depth that we are not putting into question. There is a problem, we put a policy, and then policies pile up and create a different organization and impact, I would say, more morale, the impact, the responsabilization of individuals into achieving results within the companies. 
So this is also a conundrum that we need to really focus on, on really how are we able to create agility, not just as a concept for software development, but uh, agility is about simplifying and simplicity very often it's about fighting the negative aspect of bureaucracy that are within organizations. One of the points I wanted to make is also when reflecting on the concept of intentional organization, I really focus on this fact about coherence and consistency. Because intentional organization does not mean that there is an absolute best organization model. Also, traditional command and control hierarchy will work very well in a, depending on the context. If I have a nuclear plant and I want to ensure safety, probably a command and control hierarchy organization will be the best possible solution there. Uh, and probably a competency-based approach still will focus uh, very much and with risk control, etc. how you want it. If I need to, to develop software, if I need to organize a restaurant, or if I need to experiment innovation, well, maybe I need something different. And this is the element that uh, we need to really consider uh, a lot in how we develop organization and how we especially we also think in terms of how they perform. I'm talking about organizations and agility, I mean, one of the dimensions there is, is size and complexity. I'd be interested in your perspective. I think there are various uh, answers, right? Effective team size is seven. Some of the uh, field work, I think, suggests that's like the effective, an effective org size is maybe 200 employees or something along those lines, right? Um, so which would suggest that if you get like a lot larger than that, right, then oftentimes you get diseconomies of scale. Uh, any thoughts on, on effective organization size and, and, and how to overcome the diseconomies of scale? There are many theories around that, but this is really where the importance of our design comes, comes into place. Because um, at the beginning, if you, if you just think about when, how organizations form, okay, in society, not just in, around companies, it's about when groups of people start pulling together. And up until a certain amount of people, we normally we always refer to the Dunbar number, it can be 120, 130, there are various theories around that. But there is... Um, there is a level after which you need structure to overcome the limits of the fruition of uh, interaction among the, among the people. So for me, uh, there is not one unique answer around this because it is about balancing the need and the consistency of what you want to achieve. If you think about some of the largest organization on earth and also some of the largest organization that have been surviving millennia, think about the Catholic Church or something like that, they're, quite, they're pretty big. So saying that we cannot have organization above a certain number, it's probably misleading. What we need to always look at is the consistency we create and how they actually work and how we balance, because at the end, we always look at the fact that organization design, it's a careful alchemy between centralization and decentralization. And I use the word alchemy exactly because there is not a scientific recipe around this. Sometimes there is also a little bit of luck, sometimes there is a little bit of uh, the general condition around, but it's about this element that we need to look at. Look, I've got a lot of experience with retail. Retail is an interesting word because you have organizations that are normally fairly centralized, but also act with a distributed network of uh, stores. Sometimes these stores are pretty small in terms of footprint of people. So in 
ideally they have the ideal team size, you know, 8, 10, 15 people, 20 people, something like that. And, I, and I've done a very interesting project one, really assessing and comparing stores, a very interesting feature of retails that you can compare stores, especially if you have a lot of those. We try to look at what is that really makes a good store. And at the end, it's the narrative we know. It's a good leader. And it is a good team that works within a framework that you put in place, as well as one of the things that we noticed was a leader that was able to bend the rules. This is the narrative that we need to understand. So somebody that can, that is acting within the rules, does not infringe them completely, but is able sometimes to bend them. Okay, all of the countries, especially in Europe, have some very strict rules about part-time. But at the end, the stores that really work are those where the team comes in when it's needed, even if sometimes this means bending the rules of the labor law in the country. Now, this is the, the aspect that we need to consider, and this is how organizations work in reality. And this is what makes organization work beside the real uh, size. What I think is that we, especially as a chair professional, need to translate this reality into organizational setup considering okay certain aspects that uh, you know one of the elements that everybody speaks is about the span of control and, and it's not about that a manager cannot control 20 people because if you just think it from a control point of view you could but then they would not be able to work as a team and one of the complexity that we see today for example with so many leaders you know, I'm thinking of chief executive officer with this huge propagation of CXO roles, ending up having too many reporting lines, this means that they have a less effective team. Because at the end, it's about human dynamics at that point. It's about the interpersonal skill in the team. You can have put all of the structure around it, but it's about how good and how well those teams will be able to perform. The idea here is we need to find the perfect alchemy of balancing. Size is one component. And uh, because, for example, size for me also has an absolutely different meaning today if you think about half of the people or maybe more working remotely versus having all of the people in the room. There is another element which I think it's important to consider, and it is what is that we want to achieve? Is it productivity? Is it performance? Is it effectiveness? Is it efficiency? And I think here it's another characteristic of what I think the intentional organization means for me, which is clearly and really intentionally focusing on defining what value means for your organization. And that's why you define your purpose. How you want to translate this to your customer, and this is the business model you implement, and you need to have this linked. A lot of organizations don't have those two links, and that's why they don't work. And then what is your operating model, which is the value chain that then translates inputs and outputs within the organization in practice. This is the place where I think we have more troubles in organization and defining. It's not about the number of people in the team that make the effectiveness, but it's about the fact that too many managers and leaders don't pose their question about what is really valuable within our team, what is really valuable in our organization. And for me, this is critical. We always take for granted that we want to have uh, just money, profits, etc. And instead, it's a lot more variegated than this, and we need to consider this. Following your, your line of thought, right, there's obviously uh, a huge opportunity for the HR function to play a role in, in right? crafting a more intentional organization. But I 
probably imagine that there's also a lot of HR organizations that are not at all prepared to take on any kind of leadership role in this. It strikes me as at least what I see in the U.S. context, a lot of times the HR function is is, is more administratively oriented, enforcing the labor rules and, and so forth, right? Versus, let's say, being effective architects and designers. Maybe 10, 20 years ago, larger organizations had sort of the luxury of having some people that thought about this. But but in my experience, uh, a lot of those those capabilities have been dismantled over the last 10, 15, 20 years. Would you agree? I mean, do you see any like more progressive HR organizations that have invested in creating those capabilities? Partially, yes. And I think that uh, some organizations, some companies have invested in an HR that has been able to develop competences into this field. Some organization instead, instead got stuck a little bit into, uh, into an older idea, and it's not just the administrative focus that very often got there, but it's also a little bit of a misleading idea of what HR business partnering means, okay, to my mind. Sometimes I see that a lot more dangerous, where some of my colleagues, I'm also part of this uh, professional family, they end up trying to substitute themselves into some business decision instead of really being there to support. Okay, and this is a key element. I still think that a lot of uh, the Ulrich model is valid today in terms of the idea that HR is a support function that need to provide capabilities building for the organization. Okay. However, this was sometimes misinterpreted in the sense that, well, we turned ourselves into a shared service providing just uh, a support like uh, uh, help desk support. No, that's not just that. Because what we need to think about is, and today some of the concepts that are helping into this are, for example, concepts around the employee journey, okay, so that we really can understand what our customer needs and we can focus on that. But we need to think it's not just the employees on their own, so not just individual, but it's also the organization. So we need to think also, we need almost to create a parallel concept of the organizational journey. I give you one example. I have always tried to uh, to teach my team that one of the critical moments for an HR business partner to work is when uh, when somebody resigns and so there is a vacancy. Okay, because that is a moment where you can do organization design. That's organization design in action. That's where you ask the manager what exactly you need, what are the competences you need, are we able to reframe the team, can we promote somebody, can we get somebody else? It's not just a dialogue with a recruiter that does only, you know, John Doe left and I want to find a clone of John Doe. No, it's not just that. We need something more. And these are the moments in which HR can really make the difference. Now, is this impossible? No, but we need to teach HR and a lot, and I try to spend a lot of time also on this, to start thinking holistically again. We also got locked into a lot of silos where uh, training is on one side, development is on another, organization design sometimes is sitting in a couple of people that keep their treasure protected tools. Now it needs to be a lot more diffused. And I think that the last two years with the pandemic first, now also with the Ukraine war, etc., are showing that the duty of care that HR also has is not just about the psychology, it's not just about the well-being, which are very important and they need to be there, but it's also about the well-being and the resilience of the organization. 
And uh, sometimes a little bit against the idea that HR needs to take a leadership role because it's not for us to take a leadership role. It's still a capability support. But I think that a lot of leaders are now understanding what this capability support can be. Do you see over time this also maybe more evolving into a more formal education of managers? In org charts, that's like the half-life of like uh, maybe a butterfly organizations are constantly in flux and so that would strike me as this traditional model of analyze it for like six months and then we design it for another six months and then then we roll it out for another 12 months or so right those those days must be gone right we must be much faster much more agile so that needs to happen at the front line which means that we really got to equip managers with somewhat a consistent framework for doing that work yeah yeah, yeah absolutely i mean um From my point of view, it's uh, um, org design, it's a continuous improvement activity. It's not some, you know, the idea that we do org design every two years, which is such a huge and painful activity within the organization, is also what made org design being feared with, uh, within companies. In my consulting experience, I've been some time in companies where when you were speaking, when a consultant was speaking with the org, the org design, expert of the organization people were really scared okay now something seriously wrong is going to happen it shouldn't be like this because it's it's like you know it's almost like uh, if you need to go to the dentist uh, okay when do you go when is it too late or you go and do a check every six months etc 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 now i'm probably the worst example on this because i a person i would go <laughs> the other side because i'm also quite afraid of dentists but jokes apart the point is you need to maintain your organization constantly and as you pointed out you really need to focus on the fact that uh, changes is happening so fast that every individual position needs to be to have a fine tune every now and then That's why job crafting is so important because you let the individual do part of the job, okay? And here comes uh, one element that you focused uh, very well. HR, one of the big errors that HR has been doing over the past, uh, well, decades has been the fact of um, hand-holding the manager on a lot of the process. HR designed this huge and tremendously complicated performance appraisal process so that we could then step in and help the manager do that, which for me, it's a completely crazy idea because the reality is that we need to create a simple process so that each, so that the manager does, doesn't need us because that's not our added value. It's not our added value in that. Our added value is in having the discussion about how the team shape, needs to be shaped for the future strategic needs. So is it education about the manager? Yes, we need also to explain them that Org design is not about writing a 620 uh, pages long racy matrix, but org design is thinking, what are the competences that I need for uh, achieving the next year strategy? Uh, how can I best develop this talent so that I retain the talent? How can I give more autonomy to the, this team so that they can perform on their own and I don't need to micromanage them, etc.? This is a maturity element more than just pure ed education in a traditional way. And probably it's what real leadership training is. And by leadership, I don't mean only for those at the higher level of the organization, but for everybody, because it's about really uh, leading the organization. HR has another point element here, which is kind of becoming a guardian on keeping things simple within the organization, because in that case, then you enable managers to do their job. 
Yeah, I think what, what strikes me is, uh, as I'm listening to you, it's, it, it's, I mean, in its extreme, it probably goes into a direction like hire has gone, right? In terms of creating a lot of like, small businesses with inside, with inside a larger organization. And then well, create some mechanisms that allow these these uh, uh, entities to function, which then puts the manager into, into an entrepreneurial role, right? And you end up with really flat organizations. And, and we know that in flat organizations, you don't actually need that much structure, right? Because the whole company is 20, 30 people. Communication becomes easy and you become much more adaptable, right? Do you see do you see that like, as a trend picking up that the companies think about like, breaking themselves up into smaller, more entrepreneurial um, size entities? The entire idea of self-management is a trend, definitely. And the idea of creating smaller enterprise entrepreneurial unit within a larger complex like the higher model is possibly one of the solution. And I think that the trend is there for a simple reason. The acceleration that we have on the, on the outside world imposes us that we shorten the time to, this, to take decision. And I'm talking of basic business decision. So the long chain of command doesn't work. How do we create an organization? This self-organization seems to be the answer. What I think, however, is that taking a year and copying it will not work. And again, we need to apply the concept of intentional organization because we need to frame the consistency. We can get inspired. We can take a lot of them. Okay. We can probably really adapt many of those works, but not create them completely. I mean, we saw them also with holacracy, sociocracy. We have had many different uh, elements like this. And normally they have been working with very well within one or two organization, then a little bit like this with others. And the concept is there are a lot of things that we can learn from this organization. So it's also not about to discard that completely because that's also the other risk. Oh, it doesn't apply to us. Now we can le really learn a lot and the higher model is a great example. But then it's a question of how we implement. And here comes the biggest difficulty very often is to enter into one area that many people don't consider as uh, one point of discussion. Or design is also about discussing what work means for the people we bring in. Telling a manager, from tomorrow you're an entrepreneur, not a manager anymore, means altering what the concept of the work is. And this is not something that you can do outside of a value system and outside of an ecosystem that you need to build. So it's not, uh, I don't want to, we need to avoid being too simplistic on certain elements and just copying things up like a stamp. On the other side, we also need to recognize that these elements are needed because the traditional large scale command and control chain does not work. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think every organization uh, has to find its own path. Culture is different. The markets are different. The industry dynamics are different, right? I 100% agree. You know, it's also a fantastic opportunity to create some management innovation, right? Because clearly what we have today doesn't work terribly well. Right, so maybe we can find and build a better mousetrap here. And, and there's definitely room for more than one solution in the marketplace. Right? Sergio, thank you so much for taking the time. I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I loved some of your ideas and, uh, and I am a huge fan of your newsletter. So if uh, folks are interested, uh, check out the link and, and subscribe. It's a great read. I think it's very comprehensive and I really appreciate you sharing your ideas and your thoughts uh, with us today. Thank you very much for the invite and thank you all for listening. And again, if there are new ideas also for you, they're always welcome. We hope you enjoyed this discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe, like, share, or comment.
Until next time, let's make work matter. Thank you.